As Pride Month comes to a close, we wanted to have a conversation about how you can be a better ally and how we can get involved with helping all of those who feel marginalized this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topic in veterinary medicine, and a tough topic that the entire world is facing is diversity, inclusion. How do we make things more equitable for all peoples? And this week, as Pride Month comes to a close, we wanted to just share some of our thoughts and experiences and ways that we can all be better allies for those who are marginalized in society. This week, We're going to have that conversation. But before we have that conversation this week, as always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. And Becky, at the outset, I've got to say, you know, over the years, we've tried to always focus on Pride Month during this time. And we've always been able to come up with guests. And this year, wow, everybody's in demand. And we kind of were late, right? Well, I would say yes. And to some extent, I dropped the ball a little bit being at the (laughs) end of my uh, being at the end of my grad program I didn't reach out in time to be fair and you know I talked to some of our quote unquote usual suspects and I think that was the problem I think we see a lot of the same voices in the industry speaking over and over and I thought instead what would be a good opportunity was for us to recognize Our responsibility in being good allies does not mean that the marginalized individuals need to come on here and teach us how to be good allies. So we decided that, you know, I don't want to speak for marginalized individuals. I don't want to speak for those that are celebrating Pride this month as members of the LGBTQ community. What I want to do and what I want for us to do is to be brave and to talk about allyship and what we have done, what we continue to do, and what we will continue to do and hopefully inspire others to say it is not the responsibility of any marginalized individual to teach us how to do this right. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, Becky. Um, you know, and obviously in my own immediate family, you know, we've got uh, several members of this community, and and that is kind of a constant refrain. It's like whenever sometimes I ask them how do I handle a situation or how should I discuss something or whatever, they typically roll their eyes and say, you know, Dad, <laughs> you should know this already. So I think it's one of the first things that that I think Becky and I want to say is it is our duty and obligation to sort of educate ourselves. It's really no longer in the domain of those folks affected to come out and say, hey, you guys do better. We should be doing better. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. And it's not our job to volley back to them to say, well, then what does that look like? How do we do better? Um, But it's hard. And I know a lot of us don't know how to do that. And we want to do it right. And sometimes I think fear paralyzes us. We say, I don't want to do it wrong, so I'm not going to do anything at all. I don't want to do the wrong thing, so I'm not going to do anything because zero action means at least it won't be the wrong action. And that's what I kind of wanted to to work against this this week and to say, hey, if we do it wrong, then someone will correct us. If some if if we do this wrong, then someone will help us learn to do better. Yeah, and I think also it's intent. I, you know, sometimes I think uh, the world of news and social media, we tend to focus on these outrageous, mo- mainly offensive types of memes and uh, 
events and occurrences. And, you know, there's a whole lot of folks out there that are just trying to, to do the right thing. And sometimes, you know, you stumble and you fall and you make a mistake. And I've certainly been guilty of that in, in my life, especially with my family. You know, that's just this part of it. And I'd say, you know, one of the first things that you need to do when it comes to all of these issues, depending on how you want to address it, is to make sure you have permission to even go there, right? Because sometimes that person that maybe you want to ask a question or do something for, they may not actually be at a place where they're willing to receive it or able to receive it, right? So I think, I think Becky, for me, with my family, I've always tried to to lead with, you know, is this okay to talk about now? Or, or are you comfortable with this? Or, or, you know, those kind of things before I proceed. Yep. And I think making intent clear yeah. is also really important. I want to do better. I want to learn so I don't mess this up. Hey, I had a situation I was uncomfortable with. Uh, again, I remember speaking with two members of the LGBTQ community, good friends of the podcast, who... I said, hey, I'm from the South and I call everybody Miss So-and-so and I'm starting to become really aware that that's gender appropriation. What should I do? How do I handle that best? Um, and they were really helpful. And and I don't think that folks who are, you know, who are in a marginalized community of any kind really mind educating. I think it's when we require it of them, that that we expect it of them and we haven't even tried to do better. Um it would be sort of like waiting for somebody to come to me and say, hey, you know, that's marginalizing um, individuals or that's gender appropriation and be like, oh, well, no one ever told me. I, I really needed to seek that information out by being really self-aware and um, just doing some self-inventory. And that's my personal example. And, and I've shared it on here before. And there's a lot of other examples of that. Um, I just personally think that we can ask if it's okay and we can explain the intent why we want to know. Because I think as long as we make it clear that we want to do better and we want to be better allies, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And I think one of the things my daughter also has really taught me over the years, and, and you know, they're in college. So that's always a, an interesting dynamic because some of her friends and her community are out and others are still kind of working up to tell their parents or their family members. So, you know, one of the things that I learned very early in this journey is don't just assume that everybody wants to talk about it out loud. So being respectful, again, getting permission. And, you know, one of the things, too, Becky, is you don't have to, like, be so big and bold and out there about it. You're like, oh, I'm straight, but I love the LBGTQ, right? I mean, you, you don't have to go that level. What they really want to do is have that quiet support, that knowledge that that you're actually backing them. Maybe you have certain, you know, you donate to organizations, you get involved politically. I mean, whatever you do, uh, and, and you can show it, you know, you can wear pride colors and all that, that sort of thing. But I think it's really important to be respectful and not just assume that everybody wants to know that you're an ally too. You know what I'm saying, Becky? Yep, I do know what you're saying. I think that, again, it, it is actions speak louder than words. And yes, I think that's exactly. where this concern about whitewashing the rainbow has right. has come in. Now, I'm a little personally offended by this one because I friggin' love all the rainbow stuff. I own all the rainbow stuff. Um, it's allyship, but it's also just some real fond of color. Um, so I'm a little sad that, that it's a little whitewashy. Um but I get it. Like, I can't just paint myself in rainbows for a month and right, right. say I'm an ally. Right. So the number one aspect that we have to think about, think about is, I think, number one, what is allyship in general? And number two, what is what does that look like? Um my boss, I want to give credit in like a very specific order here. My bra, my boss, Virginia Corrigan, brought to light an article 
um, written by Mia Carey, who is the executive director of Pride VMC. This was in today's veterinary business in the April May Journal and its other perspectives on allyship. And I will link this. Um, we will link this article in the show notes. I think this is a really well-written article. I think Mia is a great example of an ally as a as the executive director. But I think one important part of this article that I read was actually just the definition of allyship. And I don't even know that a lot of us really know or understand what allyship is or looks like. And by definition, um, according to Dr. Janine Irving Smith, who is of BlendVet and referenced in this article, it's defined as utilizing one's privilege to advocate for another who is marginalized or underprivileged. And I think that right there is kind of a hard stop. Right. Um, because what I know in the white, straight, cis community is that word privilege is such a trigger. So many people are triggered and say, I never had it easy and I had to work for everything I have. And so it's like we almost have to stop and talk about what privilege is in general to mean it didn't mean you have it easy. It didn't mean you had to work for things. It just meant that who you are, how you present and how you look were never held against you. Right. I love that, Becky. I love that because you're right. It shouldn't be a trigger, right? I mean, you know, let's face it. I am a white cis male. I have had tremendous privileges in my life and I totally own that and get it. It doesn't mean my life was easy because I would argue I had some tough times, but the reality is I didn't have it as tough as it could have been had you added an additional layer on there. And, you know, and that's the one thing too, I think, you know, Becky is, is what I've learned from my daughter and, and other members of our family is that so many members of LBGTQ uh, community still feel like they have to hide it, you know, because of exactly what you said, like they're, they kind of fear the repercussions. I mean, it's not uncommon, you know, to hear my daughter say, you know, I'm going to get hate crimed. And, and that's like a shorthand that breaks my heart, but it gets back to, you know, again, just educating yourself and, and, you know, and, and really doing doing whatever you can to ch- help change society's opinions on this. It's hard for me, I think, because I do wear very thick rose-colored glasses. I remember literally saying to Steve, and I will give him credit, Stephen Stahl, literally I said, is, is white privilege like a thing, though? Like, is that a thing? Because I just didn't understand that in the sense of obviously because I'm privileged that's why I understand this I don't know it's a thing because I've never had to work against it now I have been obese most of my life right fat biases biases are an absolute thing I've been fat and thin so I know how people treat me different in between we all have our different things right that make us that people hold against us but They are things that I can change about myself, right? They are things that I do have some level of control over, right? We know there's genetics X, Y, and Z, right? You can't change your color and you can't change who you love. And I know that to be true because I still like men. And I really believe if we could control it, I would have a hard time still liking men. Um, And yet here we are. So I know we can't control that. And so to me, the major difference is I think, is we have all had discrimination over one thing or another. But our privilege is we were born with things about us that we don't have to change, that don't need to be changed, that cannot be changed, that will not be held against us, as opposed to other populations. And for me, if you have never had a law made against something that you are, then you hold privilege. Right. That is a really good point. Men have never had laws against them for their gender. 
white people have, have never had laws against them for their skin color. And straight people have never had laws against them for who they marry and how they live their lives. And so, therefore, we fall into those populations of privilege. Yeah, and I'm sure that there is someone out there who can refute what Becky just said, but... I don't have to agree with it either. Bring know, it. So, exactly. <laughs> you know, so again, uh, we really just wanted to kind of have this little acknowledgement about, you know, A, our support for our, all of the LBGTQ plus community. Uh, I think it's just important as a profession that we continue to remind ourselves that we've got a long way to go when it comes to diversity and inclusion and being equitable towards all people. Um, you know, I think, Becky, we can't solve it today. And and honestly, you know, I, I kind of feel like, wow, you know, we really dropped the ball, uh, like, you know, like you were saying in the beginning. But the reality is, as long as we're continuing to speak up even a little bit, you know, I think it helps. I think the main thing, too, is just to recognize that there's people in your life, there are people in your clinic, there are people that you associate with outside of work that are going through things that you just can't imagine and you can't really relate to. And so I think it's just good to be respectful and acknowledge that everybody's got something, but some people have even more than that something. And, And I think this is one of those communities that, you know, Becky really has you know, been targeted in so many ways uh, over throughout our history. And it just breaks my heart. And again, you know, living with this and, and having, you know, a daughter in this community, it really, you know, you see it firsthand and it, it makes you want to change it, you know, <laughs> however possible. Right. And so to that point, Mia points out the four elements that are, are, are focusing the four elements of allyship. And so to quote her in this article about those four elements, self-education, Right. So knowing yeah. that we have to expand our knowledge and that there will never be a point in which we are educated enough. I truly believe gender and sexuality and personal per- per- preferences and reflections will continue to change and grow. And so therefore, so do we. And, the and second- Becky, let me just let me just add to that, because this education, there's even another thing. Learn the history. I mean, I, I have really been, been educated over the past many years about this. I mean, r- learn about the the awful treatments and and punishments that have been bestowed upon this company just because of who they choose to love and how they choose to express themselves. I mean, Becky, that part right there, I mean, you know, it's it's one thing to, to say educate yourself on like whatever, but go back and look at the history, Becky. It's awful in my I'm opinion. not sure you could call yourself educated without understanding the history. And yeah, yeah. I think that is probably in most areas of our lives. And yeah. so I think it's a good point to stop and make is if you consider, if you think your work, I should say, if you're working to be an ally, in any area, then you have to understand how we got here, okay? And that is absolutely right. There have been sickeningly horrific things done to individuals simply because of who they love. And that, to me... continue to this day, Continue, absolutely, to this day, to be absolutely sickening. And this is the importance of allyship because we have an opportunity. You and I have talked about this before. You don't laugh at the jokes. You don't pretend it's okay. You, you stand up and say something. Yeah. And to that point, the second step of allyship is getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Showing yeah. up, standing up, speaking up, leverage the power that comes with your privilege. Um, it's not always easy to do, but do it anyway, is her quote. And I think that's such an important thing, again, because it is uncomfortable. You and I talked about this before the show, like, hey, but we're cis and straight, and how, do, how are we going to have this show? And so focusing on allyship is saying... The third part of this is... Um, Centering the allyship on the underrepresented and the marginalized 
and the historically excluded, not on yourself, right? So not on right. us, on on them. And I think that's really important. Um, we can only talk about what we are trying to do for ourselves, but we really want to focus on other things that you can do and the people who are affected and the people who benefit when we work really hard to be good allies. And then be all in, even if it's scary and you don't have all the answers, be brave and courageous. Another point that Mia makes that I really want to point out here that I is, (laughs) I think it's a little tough is, and I'm going to direct quote this article. Another critical aspect of allyship is that it cannot be self-anointed. We only serve as an ally if the individual or group we are attempting to advocate for says we are. And that is hard for me. That one was hard for me. Now, I can take that moment and reflect on a friend of mine one time saying to me, thank you for always being such a great ally. So I'm going to believe that I've been anointed. Um, <laughs> but I'm also going to say that meant so much to me because I felt seen for the things that I was trying to say and do with my privilege. And just to, to, because sometimes you you wonder, is it helping? Is, is just little old me doing the things that I can, sharing the posts that I can, learning, um, participating in Pride VMC. Is that enough? Is that a thing? Am I doing the right thing? So I think the other part of this is receiving that that approval. uh, Approval is not the right word. Receiving that nod and saying, we see you trying. I understand I'm focusing this back on myself and I'm not trying to, but... I want to say if you I guess what I want to say is if you see someone being a great ally and doing the right things, take a second to just let them know they're on the right track because it is meaningful. And if we can't be self-anointed allies, then we're out there hoping we're doing the right thing. It does help for us to hear that we are. And to that point, if we are not doing the right thing, if we are, you know, Christmas Day churchgoers, and that's the only time you see us there, then then just showing up in June with rainbows isn't enough either. I hope that you have someone in your life that you can have that conversation with that can help you better understand your your ability and how well you're hitting the mark on allyship. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I, I'll tell you, I, I totally agree with that. I Back when I was running for state Senate, Becky, I'll tell you, there were, there were there were several events that meant the world to me, and and most th- those events that meant the most to me in the end were the ones where I was out advocating, speaking on behalf of Black community and on the LBGTQ because I was literally the only politician showing up at most of those events. And you know, I'll, I don't want to get into politics of this, guys, but you know, it, it kind of broke my heart. In, in a lot of ways, because these communities would have these events and they would invite, you know, the political candidates in our area and all this stuff and nobody would show up and people would, you know, kind of, and I just, I couldn't believe it. You know, I couldn't believe that what would just at least just show up, right? You know, yeah. just, just show up. But uh, I'll never forget. We had a, um, a, a, a church. Uh, uh, there was a, a, a group uh, in Wilmington, which is not, in, it only had a small sliver of it in my district at the time. And um, so there was a church that actually agreed to have an LBGTQ, um, event and you know it, it got some media attention and not not the good kind and you know it was really it was shocking but I'm so proud of the things that we were able to accomplish just to, to if to do nothing else that's just show up and say hey I hear you I'm here to support you in any way possible and you know um, we can we can make this better so I think the other thing too Becky with that in addition to that excellent list is just like me I mean I learned a lot don't expect to be perfect right I mean you're going I learned so much by going out into those communities and meeting one-on-one and saying what can I do to help and how 
can I help? And they they said, well, we didn't like what you did here, or what you said there. And and I I took that with a gracious heart and received it as it was meant to be and saying, making me better. And I think it made it all better. So you know what I'm saying, Becky? Don't expect you're going to make mistakes. And, and we started this thing out and Becky really laid it out well is that, you know, so many times we stop for fear, right? And we say, oh my gosh, I'm going to do the wrong thing. I'm going to get canceled or whatever. Um, if your intent and your purpose and your heart is in the right place, you're going to accept that and you're going to move on. So, you know, I, I guess that's, don't, don't expect to, to get it all right all the time. No, and, and what I know, I guess what I know right now is the hate voices are loud. They're so oh, yeah. loud and they're so mean. And it's got to be so alienated. I've never had an entire population of people against me. I've never had right. people hate me as a group for who I am. And I can't. I, I'm, I am certainly not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> I have heard plenty of reasons why people don't like me. Um, and I guess sort of the only thing I can compare it to is the time that someone was really mean to me about the way my voice sounded and they hated my voice and they were mad that I had a podcast. And I was like, I can't change that. And it was so hurtful because it was something I couldn't change about myself and that I shouldn't have to change about myself. I shouldn't even have to think twice about and it's something so little as my voice that doesn't dictate how I live my life. It doesn't dictate my happiness. It doesn't dictate my self-authenticity at all. Right. And it hurt so much. So I cannot imagine every day of my life not being able to be my authentic self, working to make my voice more suitable to anyone who encountered it so that I didn't have to encounter that kind of hate or hurt again. I think yeah. everybody can stop and think of a time they were hated on or hurt for something they couldn't change about themselves. And I think that we can take that tiny moment in life and amplify that to have a fraction of an understanding of what our marginalized communities go through all day, every day, trying to present in a way that the world finds acceptable. And if I can take like one second or one minute of my privilege to speak up for somebody and to see somebody and to advocate for somebody, then I, one, consider it an honor and two, will actively look for those opportunities. Guys, rewind the tape. Go back and listen to that as many times as you need to before you are convinced that you need to be a good ally. So again, guys, we don't want to spend, you know, all day, you know, talking to you guys. We, we know that you know that you should be doing something. If you can do better, be better. And this is one of those areas. So I'd love to hear what you're doing. What did you do for Pride Month? What are you doing more importantly, though, for the other 11 months out of the year to make sure you're a good ally for those who need us? Sure. And if you are looking for some resources, you can check out BlendVet. They are a great organization out there working to bring inclusivity. Chapter 13, Veterinary Inclusion and Intersectionality Initiative. Diversity Veterinary Medicine Coalition. Diversity and Inclusion on Air. Journey for Teams. Possibility, who we might be talking with here in the very near future, doing great things out there in the industry. And VetMed Interconnected Organizations, as well as Pride BMC, check out this article by Mia Carey in Today's Veterinary Business. All of those links will be um, with the show notes. 
And if you want to reach out to us, tell us how we did, please be as nice as you can. Leave us a rainbow at Veterinary Viewfinder on Facebook and Instagram, or you can send us an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. All right, guys, that's it. Great conversation. Go out and be an ally. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.